Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. Baby, what's going on? I'm just thrilled to, to hear that you continue to improve your read-in for my website that we have yet to do, but it's getting better every week. So um, we just keep practicing here, and then in about three weeks, I'd like you to actually do that for real. That's right. I, I will be your read-in guy. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. We actually have some basketball, holy cow, to talk about. The, the actual ball bouncing, going through the net or not, uh, defensive schemes, rotations, starting lineups, all kinds of stuff. Uh, let's hit the ground running. What are your impressions after seeing what you can of the first two games of preseason, Aaron? Night and day. I agree. Night and day. It is, <laughs> it's going to be fun watching the the George Carl wasn't the problem people just kind of disappear because <laughs> this team has uh, – they're playing defense, which is great to see just any team play defense. I'm a defense guy, so I like to see that. Um, but just the offense having structure and form and a purpose and a good idea of what they're doing, all that stuff is is just good to watch. Uh, so yeah, I mean, really seeing a lot of that high post offense and um, you know, wondering even to the extent of like, you know, Darren Collison or or even just the point guard position and what its role is going to be. I know that's extrapolating a lot out of just two games, but um, you know, that's that's all fun for X's and O's nerds to crunch on. A lot of individual player stuff going on. I'm guessing we'll probably just hit it player by player or however we're going to do that. But mm-hmm. um, a lot to reveal in, in two preseason games. I, I think so, too. I think a lot of people are really shocked that Costa Kufis is starting over Willie Cauley-Stein. I think uh, that's going to be revisited multiple times uh, over the course of not just training camp but the season. I think early on what people should know about that situation is that while I think we have enough tape from last year to know that that Cousins and Kufis together doesn't really work, it hasn't actually been that bad to start this season. Uh, Number two, Willie Cauley-Stein has, I don't want to say he's regressed. I say he's slightly overwhelmed with all of the information that's being (laughs) jam-packed into his head at any given time. And if you really look at Willie, where he was as a college player and what he was in George Carl's system, it's the same exact thing. Basically, they ran the same exact system, rim runner, just go do your thing. Um, But now that's not at all what what Dave Yeager wants. And I'm not sold that this is a solution because I think my biggest concern isn't with the starters. My biggest concern is that Willie looks – even more lost with the second unit and he's supposed to be the high post guy in the second unit and that second unit to me 
looks a little off to start the season. Um, like they don't have a go-to player, and I get that because they don't have, you know, Aaron Aflalo or DeMarcus Cousins or Rudy Gay on that that unit. So it does make sense. I think Yeager's going to have to get very creative with how he mixes and matches his his playing time. Uh, but first and foremost, are you okay, Aaron, with with Kufis as a starter to open the season, or are you still beating the Willie Cauley drum? Uh, like, you know, like you, you have been the last year. Yeah, probably. I, I think that it, it, you got two players whose, whose positions on the floor are completely different. You know, Kufus is pretty built for the, the, the high post. I mean, I, you could put him in different spots, but he's pretty good there. And um, Willie Colley Stein's better on the baseline. And, and that's not what the uh, offense is trying to establish early. I think they're really trying to get their base offense figured out in those first few games. And so Kufos can do that. And Willie, you know, I think they might envision Willie playing along the baseline and doing things that you've seen him do last year. And that just might not fit their coaching plan right now. A lot of this comes down to how the order that they want to install things in. The second unit is a huge issue for the Kings. Um, I think what I saw was that Jaeger was trying to see how long that unit could hang and, and if they could dig their way out of the troubles that they were having. They're, um, you know, they, they lack playmakers in that unit. They're going to have to stagger some minutes and get guys that can command attention because maybe it was even just a defensive stylistic thing, you know, with both the Lakers and the Warriors. But both of those teams like to get up on you and pressure you. And if you sense that the other team doesn't have good ball handlers, you're just going to tighten up on everything. You're going to gamble on the outsides. And it just is a rollover effect. And, and it, you just saw that the Kings just kind of flail without a ball handler on the floor. Um, if they continue to go with that look, they're going to have to continue keeping Ty Lawson and um, Garrett Temple on the floor at the same time because neither player is good enough to handle that type of defensive pressure. And it's not even fair to expect them to handle that type of defensive pressure if you've got three guys on the outside, probably three guys elsewhere that are completely incapable of commanding respect from the defense in a playmaker sense. So those are some issues there. So putting Willie on that second unit, unless there's drastic changes made, it just exasperates that problem because um, he's one of those guys who isn't going to put the ball on the ground and, and, and get any respect from the defense. I, I think he'll end up starting, and I think that there is an element here of, of comfort with Jaeger having coached Kufos, knowing what he's going to get out of him. But but Willie, he's so cerebral, and he's, he's so – I don't want to say up and down, but – Watching him, watching the gears turn and watching him realize that it's not going to be like summer where there's this expansive discussion about how he's shooting and how he's going to have this big role in the offense and, and do the kind of things that they want him to do long term. He's going to realize that what he's going to do is actually going to slim down and watching him go through these mental progressions of, of where does he find his comfort level and is he trying to do too much? And, and where does he ultimately fit in? And again, we're looking at a small sample size here. Yes. But I think he's going to eventually start or play, if, even if he doesn't start, he'll play the majority of minutes next to Cousins because the two operate in perfectly uh, diametrically opposed places. Cousins at the high post and Willie down at the baseline. All right. So I don't know how that's going to work out. I do know that you know, Willie needs to take a deep breath and, and shake his head and, like, you know, kind of shake it off and, and try to 
filter in as much information as possible. And, you know, they're, this is year two. You see a lot of players get lost in year two. I think, you know, Ben McLemore's best season was in year two. He he was very defined role. You know, they knew exactly what he wanted to do. And people were like, okay, maybe he's progressing. Uh, I, and then he fell apart in year three. Um, but I think that they call Stein is in an interesting position because he does bring probably the best solution to the position. But I don't think Jaeger is worried about who's starting and who's coming off the bench and who a, any of that. I think what he does know that he wants to do is use a variety of players at that position. And so far, we've seen Tolliver for two games, but Matt Barnes missed the first game due to injury. The second game, he was the first guy in the game. They went, they mixed it up early to see what uh, what Matt Barnes could do against Draymond Green at the power forward position. Uh, he played some four, he played some three, he played some two. Jaeger tried some different lineups. He even tried a lineup with Cousins, Willie Cauley-Stein, and Tolliver. And I really do believe he, he did that move because Caspi was out for the game. Uh, but we have these three players, and I'm going to just, you've got Caspi, You've got Tolliver, and you've got Barnes. And I personally believe that only two of those players are going to play most of the season. I mean, there will be times when all three of them play, but those guys are really vying for minutes, not at the same position, but at the same two positions. And I think that that's going to be a bit of a dogfight, and I already know, watching the way that Matt Barnes responded the other night, that you know he's going to get a lot of minutes that... Jaeger feels very comfortable with Matt Barnes. He knows exactly who he is. He loves the tenacity. He loves the fight that he brings. And that second unit is is going to be defined, I think, really by the speed and flexibility of Barnes and Caspi as much as any other two players. And so I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens at that spot. Yeah, and I think this kind of also comes back to Willie Cauley-Stein. So say Willie Cauley-Stein has a really slow start. I think that then Tolliver can can see himself in the rotation. I mean, Tolliver was not really good in, in his first game, and um, I wasn't there to see exactly to pick apart how he was in the second game. Um, he's not going to bring enough to the table to push uh, a productive Willie Cauley-Stein out of the rotation. He's not going to be able to push a productive Costa Cufos out of the rotation. He's uh, He could come in for spot minutes, of course, and for certain looks, but – the other two guys, Matt Barnes, you're not taking him off the floor. Kings fans, you're going to love what he brings to this team. And I, I and think he's going to play 28 minutes a night, or at least he, 20, 26. He's, yeah. I, I think he's he's as consistent production-wise from year to year as anybody in the NBA. He's going to probably play about 26 minutes a game. When he gets up to 28, 29 is when he starts uh, hurting things. But 26 minutes a game, and I don't think you can get him off the floor. And so Omri Caspi, the one question I have about Omri is he's really going to have to tighten his game up. Um, he was kind of going left when he needed to go right and going right when he needed to go left in that first game. And that's a rust thing. Um, but he's not going to be able to kind of wheel and deal as freely as he might have been able to under George Carl or just in general. Um, and a lot of that also will come down to how does that second unit look? You know, it, when he was probably the second best playmaker on the floor the other day, that's tough for him. He can't really get by anybody on the dribble. He can't really, um, you know, off the dribble, you know, just pull from anywhere. 
So asking him to do those things isn't really in his wheelhouse. Where he's great is when the defense is just slightly scrambling. His creativity, his ability to do things on the run and, and just kind of be a, a Swiss Army knife, that's where he really fits in. So it'll if they start to move playmakers into that second unit, I think he'll look a lot better. But he's going to be a constant. Barnes is going to be a constant. And I think ultimately Tolliver will be out of the rotation. That's, you know, I don't know how it will work completely, but I do know that they do like Tolliver next to Willie Cauley-Stein just because he's such a calming influence and he, he actually plays really really tough defense he's he pops up you're like huh i didn't see him coming and then the other night i mean against the warriors he had a huge dunk and i kind of you know you watch him play and you're trying to see who is he and he's maybe he is a little bit of a poor man's uh ryan anderson but anderson's never played that style of defense he's he is a very nice player to have I just, when I look at the rotation, I count 11 guys every single time I go to count. And that's a problem. And so that's where the Kings are at. You know, the first eight games of the season, you're not going to have Darren Collison. So it's going to be easy to use Ty Lawson and Garrett Temple at the point. But once he's back, once uh, Collison is back, he's slated to slide right in in front of of Lawson. And now you're going to have to, you know, rework the rotation but where does that leave Temple? And where does that leave a guy like Ben McLemore, who's playing at really, really a high confidence level? And Jaeger's already talking about how well he's playing defensively. Where does that leave, you know, the the Barnes Caspi combo? Uh, you know, the Tolliver guy. I mean, again, I count eleven guys, and you can't play eleven. So how are they going to work sort of this rotation? I mean, clearly Malachi, Papianis, and uh, and Scal are, are going to be riding the pine a lot of time in Reno for all of them. Um, we're seeing that early on. But how do you fit 11 guys when realistically you only want to play 8, 9, at the most 10? You use an 8-game um, showcase for Ben McLemore and Rudy Gay. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to, to get your take on the report from ESPN that uh, uh, Michael Carter Williams was offered for uh, uh, Ben McElmore. And, and honestly, I, with what we're doing over at hoop-ball.com, I have not had the time to track down something like that. So I have no intel on that whatsoever. Uh, but um, on, on Ben McElmore, the aggression is there. I still don't think he's seeing the game. And that's going to be tough until he sees the game. Because he's it, it's just like Caspi. He was going left when he needed to go right, going right when he needed to go left. That's really just the only problem with Ben. You know, his defense can be even really good at times. Um, offensively, he's got the makings of a solid jump shot and, and shooting guard game. You can see him as a 3 and D guy real easy. But he still just doesn't know when to shoot and, and not to shoot. And you can see he's really trying to turn the page on the confidence issue. So it does look like he's confident. He's definitely taking charge out there. Um, you just hope that that settles in and, and becomes a little bit more palatable from, from an offensive scheming standpoint. But as far as how you work these guys in the rotation, um, you know, I think Ty Lawson has come out there and, and really answered the question as to whether or not he can be a backup in the NBA and talking about him as, you know, anything more than that, I think is premature at this point. 
Um, Garrett Temple, you're not taking him off the court. I mean, he's is defensively, he's he's a guy you want on the floor. If you're a Kings fan, he's going to be making sure that um, you know teams have trouble offensively. His ability to slide his feet, get around screens, you know that that stuff is just invaluable. And as far as his ability to run the point, he's not going to be a guy that like obviously not like Chris Paul where it doesn't matter who he's playing with. But if you've got four guys surrounding him that cannot make plays and the defense is going to start cheating and get up on him, then he doesn't have the tools to be able to survive that type of a situation. But if you've got DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, you know, a couple other playmakers on the floor and the defense has to respect those people, he's going to be just fine. You know, he's a guy that can do just enough to get you through, shoot a little bit off the dribble, make a few plays, play hard defense and he can survive. So I don't think you're taking him off the floor. This just comes down to Aaron Aflalo. How many minutes is he going to get? And are you trying to shoehorn Ben McElmore in for 20, 25 minutes? Maybe not that much. When Darren Collison returns, I don't think they can really. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. See, when Collison returns and you've got Lawson and Collison, I think Jaeger is going to go to that combo for at least five to six minutes a night. And that doesn't seem like much. But it is. That's a huge. I, I'll huge say this: I don't see. I don't see Lawson. I see Lawson playing about twenty minutes a game on the season, and and that's more than I saw him playing about a week ago. Yeah. And that's going to tighten the rotation up. And he, if Lawson, say say Lawson's even plays even better than he looks like right now, that means he could play twenty five minutes a game, and now you're really screwed. Yeah, because if he can play twenty five minutes a game, Collison's still going to play thirty minutes a game. And right. so you have that overlap that, you know, that I think that's we're now we're up to eight minutes a game where they're going to play together. And that's going to eat into minutes for a guy like Ben Mathmore. It's going to eat into minutes for a guy like Aaron Aflalo. Although Aflalo has been really solid so far. And I, I like what he brings to the table. I know there's been a lot of talk about his defensive capabilities. He's been honest about, you know, coming out and really focusing on that. That's something he, he wants to get back to his roots and, get away from all the talk of him being a horrible defensive player. I don't know if he can or can't, uh, but so far what we're seeing, uh, while they aren't a 100% cohesive unit, they play the passing lanes. They're aggressive. I mean, they had 17 steals against the Warriors, and a lot of those steals were by the starters uh, against the Warriors' starting unit. I mean, they went toe-to-toe for three quarters against the Warriors, and I thought I thought it was really, really impressive ball uh demarcus even talked draymond told him on the court he said wow you guys are much much better than you were last year and so i think they have something they've got to build on it yeah absolutely and i think draymond sees what what i see what you know folks that are you know doing this stuff you know with actual money what they see um this is a better kings team um a flalo is going to be very important for this team. Seeing the way that they're running the high post, if they continue to run the high post the way that they're running it, it's a dangerous little offense they got cooking there. Because when you pin down Rudy and Aflalo on either block, you create these passing angles for Cousins where you've got your shooters spread out outside the three-point line. you got those two guys down on the block. He has these nice little easy entry passes to either guy, whichever one gets open, and then they can just go to work. And and for a, a team that's had such a hard time finding easy shots, you know, that's just really, really nice. And and once they get the ball on the block, 
they generally have a couple inches in a height advantage against the other team. Um, it just opens things up. Once you get the ball beneath the, the free throw line, everything starts to open up for an offense. I think that's that's real nice. Flalo's defense, um, you know, he's got those lapses where you're, you're just like, you know, you're an eight-year veteran or whatever he is. You know, you can't be falling asleep like that. Um, that kind of stuff is not vintage of Flalo when he came into the league and was a lockdown guy. Maybe he can rekindle that. If uh, if he can, then then that's a bonus, I think, for these Kings. Um, but everything else that he was doing, you know, just being a guy that's willing to uh, take shots and and not back down and give you 25 good minutes at a minimum. I mean, it's something the Kings haven't had for years. All right. So let's talk about something that you brought up there in the middle, and that is the Ben McLemore for Michael Carter Williams swap. But I think there was more to that report, and I think it was Zach Lowe who had it first. Mark Stein kind of came back through and hit it as well, saying that, yeah, uh, Milwaukee has you know, been trying to pry McLemore out of the Kings. and But he also threw in, both of them have talked about that it could be a bigger deal, that Milwaukee has offered Monroe, uh, that right now they, they have an offer of, I think it's, it's Lamb and Hawes, for Monroe, and that's something that you know is being bandied about and considered. And I just have this. Uh, first of all, the Kings aren't jumping on my, Michael Carter Williams for for two reasons. Uh, one of which is I, I think a good reason. The other one is kind of I, I'm not sure about. Um, the good reason why I think they're not looking at Michael Carter Williams is because he can't shoot at all. And when he came through a couple of years ago, and, and I know he's a little bit different player now, but when he came through for pre-draft, uh, the Kings got to see firsthand. You know, he he bricked uh, countless shots. Like it got to a point where people started to feel bad for him during the workout. He started to get emotional. Uh, he couldn't hit hit anything. And then, you know, when you get him into the scrum and he says, you know, you ask, who do you remind you, who, what is your game, like, who does it look like? And he goes, you know, oh, Jason Kidd, but but not old Jason Kidd, like the good young Jason Kidd. Um, I think there's a little bit of disconnect there between who and how good he is and how good his numbers look. Um, now, whether I would swap him straight up for Ben McLemore is a, is a good question. Uh, that I'm not sure that I'm ready to answer quite yet. Uh, but the other thing about Carter Williams is that, that makes him appealing, I think, is that he's young and that you do have a little bit of control over his contract after this season. And the Kings don't have a point guard you know, locked up after this season. So Lawson and Collison are both in the last year of a deal or the only year of Lawson's deal. And so I look at that and I go... I could see why you don't want to bring in a guy who can't really shoot to play with DeMarcus Cousins and then have him try to compete with veterans at the position right now because it's so late. And you do think that you have a short-term solution in Lawson and Collison uh, or Collison and Lawson, however you want to say that. And so I get that. Uh, But on the other side, he is a young player that may develop further. Um, So I'm a little torn. What I'm not torn about is that if Greg Monroe is is available for like a bag of Cheez-Its, then I, I hate to say this, he's better than anything that you have at the power forward spot. And 
he would actually create more of a Zebo uh, Marcus tandem with Cousins, and he would give you realistically the ability to either pull Monroe or Cousins early. Have one of them stay in with the offense, run the high post, and then come back to the other one right afterwards. So you could have Monroe go out at the eight-minute mark of the first, uh, and then four minutes later to start the second, Cousins starts on the bench, Monroe's back in the game, and then you mix and match throughout to you know get them their time off. But I think he gives you – he's a high post guy. He is – like he's a guy that would work in – Jaeger system so while he's owed money and you know some people are balking at that and whether or not he's fully engaged or whatever I still do think that there's a possibility there for a really really nice tandem that the king shouldn't just be so quick to dismiss and I think you can get it you can get him without offering Rudy Gay up and then all of a sudden you build more of a power team and you really you have something in year one now maybe i'm crazy maybe you have some totally different idea of greg monroe but if he could be had for spencer hawes and what is it jeremy lamb um i think the kings could probably get him for costa kufis and ben mclemore which is something that they shopped previously so i'm a little torn here about this situation this is the biggest ball of yarn in the nba and maybe why i mean it is, where isn't I, it? Where do, I, where do I start? Okay, so first of all, let me start with I used to be a Warriors fan before I got into media. So I'm, I'm really familiar with Greg Monroe because we took Ekpe Yudo or uh, Epe Yudo. And uh, okay, yeah, yeah. that uh, ended up not working out. So followed Greg Monroe's game you know, pretty closely. And I'm a – I mean, Greg Monroe's really good. He's he's not a great defender. I think everybody knows that by now. Um but, he can't but, play but, defense. In a team defense situation, he can't play defense. It's not like he – like I use the term sieve, which I, some people don't – No, like he's, not a, he's, he's not, not a sieve. He's not a sieve. Yeah. It, it's, he's just average, maybe even a little bit below average, and that's okay. Um, but but really, you're talking about this ball of yarn. And when I when I wrote this item up for hoop ball, it was, you know, if – if and I you know, it's like if this trade or this – if they had actually offered Michael Carter-Williams – then um, and it was just a straight up deal. I think if you're the Kings, you got to do that because screw what he can do on offense, which is right now very debatable. And he looks so mixed up out there on the floor. I mean, his confidence is shot. He is the odd man out in Milwaukee. He's dead man walking. The only thing that makes it weird in Milwaukee is they don't have a backup. They don't have a solution if they trade him right now. So they almost can't trade him. And so. Um, you know, with uh, with that in mind, I, I don't think we've seen this deal in its final form. Uh, and a, another thing with with Charlotte, so Jeremy Lamb is actually a pretty good player, but he's not worth you know Greg Monroe and Spencer Hawes is just dead weight. Yeah, so, and he's owed money as well. He, yeah, yeah, he's owed so that ten million bucks, five mil this year, five mil next year. I was I was kind of surprised. That's a crap deal there. Um, but Rudy Gay to Charlotte makes a lot of sense. Charlotte's trying to win now. And um, or at least improve their standings within the playoffs, and so I was always waiting for the next shoe to drop with um, with Charlotte with their them needing w- uh, wings. I thought Rudy Gay would be a pretty good fit there. So um, with Milwaukee, 
the last piece you mentioned, or one of the pieces you mentioned, Greg Monroe, I'm almost certain he's going to end up in New Orleans. That's not inside intel or anything. It's just kind of reading the tea leaves. He's wanted to be there for years. They need a big man in the worst way. So I think you've got one, two, three, four teams possibly in the mix. And there's probably a couple other teams that I can't think of off the top of my head that really need to get into this trade game here. So maybe this eight-day mark for Darren Collison will will mark a little bit of a, a showcase for guys like Ben McLemore. And Rudy Gay came out firing in game one. So uh, I, I think maybe they're going to try to send a message with those two early, see what they can get after eight games. Yeah, and the thing with Monroe is he's only under contract next season. I mean, if the Kings, their intention is to jump in the free agent market either now or later, I mean, it's really not that big of a of a of a spend for them they could actually make it work and and that's something that I, i'm just intrigued by it because while i like tolliver and i like barnes and i like caspi all rotating and playing the three and the four and all that i also think well look costa kufis is starting and willie Colley stein is going to play major minutes and if willie Colley stein all of a sudden becomes your backup five and you still have tolliver and you still have all these players uh I really do believe that that it it could work. Uh, so so anyway, something to think about. Uh, we're not starting any rumors here. We're just kind of spitballing over what we've already uh, what's been reported by others. And and to so people know, I I continue to hear that the Kings have no interest in a swap of Michael Carter Williams for Ben McLemore. That's just that's where they're at right now. Uh, McLemore came in early. He worked about three months with the coaching staff worked really hard, got to know them, showed them something, and they're actually excited about him. Uh, but sometimes you need to cash in a chip when you have an opportunity to do it, and the Kings are going to have to make a tough decision because McLemore is a restricted free agent at the end of the year, and now you've got to worry about do we pay him or do we not? Do we know what he is Do we or do we not know what he is still? And that's just a bit of an issue. All right, Aaron. Well, we've got an abbreviated show this week. Uh, you know, going to go about a half hour here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? I want all y'all out there to just keep talking bad about these kings. Just, just keep hammering them. I want that number <laughs> to go down, people. So if you're out there in the national media, make a joke. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this thing to come in at 32, because we're going to have that road to 33, and uh, <laughs> the and road then I'd like to, to 33. Nice, nice. And and I, I want to be able to hit, you know, that final prediction at the end of the year. So that's your final thought? The that's my final thought is talk, hammer the Kings. Talk hammer them. Uh, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think they need to figure out that that major cog in the second piece, uh, in the second unit. But again, I think what we're seeing right now is starters, second unit, starters, second unit. We haven't seen starters, three starters with two second units and – we haven't seen sort of the the blend that we will see during the season. So uh, again, Aflalo and Rudy Gay really give Jaeger some options in the post as as a second unit scorer. And I, neither one of them are coming off the bench, but they can carry that second unit for times while they're still in the game and Cousins isn't. Uh, I want to say this: Demarcus Cousins is in midseason form. He looks incredible. He's leading the NBA in PER. Um, and ooh, ooh. oh, so uh, real, nah, yeah. go ahead. No, I got go to. Ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I, I just want to say Cousins and the team vibe, which we didn't touch on at all, 
has been really, really good. It's and interesting. That's, it's that's interesting. Just, in the locker room that's too. probably a big deal that we didn't even touch. But that's why I wanted to jump in. Yeah, Matt Barnes uh, is like a kindred spirit to Demarcus Cousins. They're, they've really hit it off early, and Ty Lawson sits next to Cousins in the lock. I think there's some really, really cool stuff happening. Um, I hope that they can keep it together because it, it does have a little bit of a bad boy feel in the locker room. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but last final thought, um, I would like to welcome back my good friend John Santiago to the Sacramento media market. He has taken a job with the digital team for the Sacramento Kings after uh, some time in Vegas, after our, our cowbell experience, and then John went on a, uh, a seven-month walkabout through Europe, and uh, and I'm excited to see what he, he can do over there. He's, he's a really bright guy, and he's a super hard worker, and all of... Anyone who followed us at Cowbell Forever knows John and I formed a, a very nice tandem for a long time, and just good people, and, and I'm happy for him, uh, happy to see him back in Sacramento, and uh, so I, I want to throw a hat tip to uh, Mr. Santiago. And I want to hear the stories uh, of this seven-month sabbatical. I've heard a lot of them, and, you know, uh, it, it's good. You know, anytime that you have a chance to go do something like that, I highly suggest it to everybody, but really just go find yourself and, and, and do something different and meet new people and, and live a different way. And I, he did a lot of work with uh, working in, like, oh, man, the Ukraine and Lithuania and uh, all of these Eastern Bloc countries uh, doing uh, just working English immersement stuff. And, yeah, just, you know, it, it's good. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. So, uh, yeah, going to have some good stories there from Mr. Santiago. So that's going to do it for this this week's edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll try to get more this week. Again, uh, it's hit and miss when the Kings are in town, out of town, all over the board with their preseason schedule. Uh, we have Maccabi Hafe, Hafe on Monday. Uh, Omri Caspi said he will be back. He's got a slight strain in his, in his hip, but he will be back for Monday. Won't miss playing against an Israeli team, of course. Uh, and then they, the preseason schedule heats up. So... For Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We will see you soon.